frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. Don't you understand, George? It's because you were not born. Film church. Well, a, a boy's best friend is his mother. It's all right. It's okay. Uh, there's something to live for. Jesus told me so. Hello and welcome to Film Church Radio, the podcast that treats cinema as a religion, man. It's Sunday, I'm Lewis. And I'm Brandon. And we are here to talk about movies. Each week, Brandon and I alternate picking a film for us both to watch and discuss. However, as it is the first Sunday of the month, um, you know what that means. I do. What does it mean? (laughs) It means that we've got a special guest that has that has chosen a film for us both to watch um and he joins us now all the way from sunny california it's my friend and new acquaintance to brandon but soon to be a friend as well i'm pretty sure it's andy zike hello andy how are you hi guys doing well i'm really really excited to be here we are so excited to have you here um welcome to the show do you want to tell us the film that you picked for us to watch yeah, absolutely. Um, so the film I chose is the documentary film American Movie from 1999, directed by Chris Smith. Uh, it stars Mark Borchant and Mike Shank and Bill Borchant. You probably haven't heard of them. They are real people. They're not actors. Um, but it's about Mark and his journey into creating both his feature film and then also his short horror film. Awesome. I, it's It was one of those films that I knew something about recently i heard a lot about it um due to the passing of mike shank which we'll get on to very soon um and as soon as kind of that happened i saw a lot of filmmakers start pouring out about how much they love the film and how it kind of changed their perspective so i'm i was so pleased that you chose to um chose for us to watch it it's it was a it was a great um great pick for this time um and if you want to hear what we're going to be listening to next week stick around to the end of the episode and you'll be able to hear um what i'm going to pick for us to watch um i'm not going to spoil it now so you've got to stick around and listen to the end um before we get into the show though we'd like to say thank you to everyone who has been listening to the podcast and sending their love for this show um if you're new to the show and enjoying it be sure to subscribe and hit that bell to be notified when a new episode is available this is a film church so we post episodes on sundays Um, And if you really, really enjoy the show, please share it with friends, you know, um, let the congregation grow. That's what it's all about. You can find us on all social media platforms at Film Church Radio, where you can leave us a comment or send a message about the show. Um, We're getting to that point where we're going to start needing suggestions soon. So if you have any films that you want us to talk about in the future, please send them across to us and we'll add them to the list. Um, We also post extra content on YouTube and this whole episode will be streamed, not live, but you'll be able to see us as we talk about the movie. So please go ahead and head over to YouTube to see that. We much appreciate it. And if you've got any more um, comments about the film, anything that you think we've missed at the end of the show, leave it as a comment. Let us know what you think. Um, like I said, with this being a film church, we'd love to know everyone's thoughts. So please get involved and get in touch. Um, and last but not least, we'd love for you to rate and review the show on whatever podcast service you're streaming from. It helps people find us, um, join the congregation and, and you know, 
see what we're doing and get involved. That's what it's all about. Um, before we get into the main feature, we like to take a bit of time to get to know our guest. Um, and the best way to get to know someone is to talk about the movies that they love and the things that shaped their film watching um, at the moment. So we have got some questions for you, Andy. I hope you're ready for them. Um, the the first one I want to ask is, what film was it that made you convert to the church of film? It's a, it's a tough question. Um, I don't know if I can pick like one singular film, um, but when I was a kid, I always grew up watching a lot of animated movies. I think as most as most kids probably do, right? Like the Disney Fair, yeah. Lady and the Tramp, Aladdin. Like the I'm not talking like the DCOMs. I'm talking even older. Um, <laughs> And obviously those stories are, are so well done and, and so well made and so well animated. Um, and there's, a, there's an element of like magic to them. Uh, and I, I kind of started there, branched out into like other animation as a kid, branched out as if I'm like actively picking what I'm watching at like seven years old. <laughs> um, watching a lot of other animated films. And as I got a little bit older and, and got into, you know, my early teenage years, watching a lot of horror films, that's a huge, huge passion of mine is horror films. Um, and right around like, Middle school time, early high school was when I, I thought about making films for a career and ended up going to film school. Um, have not become a filmmaker, unfortunately, uh, but I still have that passion. And so it's hard for me to really pinpoint like one's particular moment or film, but they films and, and movies have just really been a part of my life even since I was little. So it's kind of been a slow burn for me. Yeah, we even met. I mean, I know that we probably should have mentioned this at the top, but we we met working at Universal Studios, which isn't the Universal Studios that makes movies. This was the theme parks in Orlando. Um, <laughs> but we still met, at, uh, you know, it's kind of on the side of move, of the movie industry, mm -hmm. I guess. Yeah. You, know, you could ride the movies as opposed to making them. So, <laughs> you know, it's always been it's always been there. I love that. And I forget how we came to know that we both loved movies, because I think you were at university at the time as well. Um, yeah. And so I forget how it came about, but I just remember one day we got on to talking about movies and it was one of, it was like that Spider-Man meme. We were like, wait, you too? Me? You? What? <laughs> and then it just kind of took off from there. It did. Yeah. I can remember talking a lot about Spider-Man in the first, you know, few weeks of getting to know you, because I think, was it Amazing Spider-Man 1 was just about to come out, the new Andrew Garfield? I think so. One or two. Yeah, it was yeah. like early, early 2010s. Yeah, yeah. Did y'all ride the Spider-Man ride a lot? Is that is that at Universal there? It in is. Orlando? Yeah, it's in the yeah. Islands of Adventure. Mm -hmm. I think we yeah. did actually. I, yeah, I remember we, us having a day and and like on our off day going into the park and and riding all the rides. I think we hit that one. Yeah, we did. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I finally got to go on that ride. I want. I, we went to Universal when I was a kid. And mm. we didn't, I didn't get to go on that ride, but then we went, uh, I, I went back like five years ago, I think, and I made a point to like go on that Spider-Man ride. Yeah. It was a blast. It's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a fun. really good one. Yeah. And it's based on like you, the Universal Studios out here is not as good as the one in Orlando. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I have another question for you. Uh, so if you were, I mean, this is kind of similar to what we're doing today. Basically, if you were, um, a guest preacher at a church, what film would you choose to show on a Sunday? As opposed to today, I guess, cause it, like today it's more catered towards Lewis and I, but like if, you know, you had a bigger audience. 
this was also difficult. All these questions were very difficult. <laughs> and I think that just speaks to how much I like films and like talking about films and watching yeah. films. Um, I mean, to I be fair, really, um, I don't know what I would answer to any of these questions. I, I thought a lot about it. Um, and I narrowed it down to two, kind of like depending on which way I would go. My, my all-time favorite movie is Back to the Future. Um, oh, nice. it's, I know it's like a little bit of like a dark horse pick for, for somebody's favorite movie, but I, I love that movie so much. Um, and if somebody hasn't seen it, that would be the first thing I would show them just because I'm so passionate about it. But if I'm talking in terms of just what I think is the best film ever made that I think everybody should see at one point in their life, it would be The Godfather. I think that mm, film yeah. is just start to finish in terms of the writing, the acting, the way it's directed, just every component of that movie comes together and it is I consider it the perfect film. Yeah. Yeah, I'm kind of right right in line with you as far as The Godfather goes. Uh it it yeah, it's like a perfect film. It's Have you seen it, the uh the TV show about how they made it? It's called The Offer. I don't Oh no, I I it's it's a recent show, right? It, it is. Yeah, yeah, it came out this year. I've been watching a little bit of it. It's, it's really interesting. It's all like a like a dramatic take. It's like scripted and whatnot, but yeah. it's really entertaining and really funny too. Yeah, that sounds interesting. I've I've been wanting to check it out. I think they're making a movie too, like separate from the offer. They're making a movie, uh, and I think Oscar Isaac is supposed to play Francis Ford Coppola. I yeah, I read I think I think yeah. I read that like a year. I don't know if that's still in development or not, but um, excited to see what what happens with that. And Coppola is working on his final film right now, Megalopolis. Shooting. Has he said that it's going to be his final film? Is that well, I mean, the... he hasn't said, but I mean, he hasn't made one in a long time, and yeah. you know, this is—he's putting his own money into this, and yeah, I he's mean, getting up there. He's what, yeah, he's something. Yeah, yeah. So, and earlier this year, I read the book um, "Easy Riders and Raging Bulls," or the other way around. I can't really remember, and that goes into like detail about you know him making the godfather and the amount of drugs that were being passed around so <laughs> that's a really good read though if you want to know like the the kind of unbiased story behind it it's really interesting um sweet andy so if if film heaven exists what do you think it looks like um i i would think film heaven to me would just be having access to any film that you'd want to watch, whether it's, you know, a streaming film, a movie theater to watch that film, um, a video store you can go into, like just having access to any film that's out there and the availability of it. And then also the time to sit down and actually watch what you want to watch. I think that's a big component for me. Um, there's so much out there that I wish I could watch and I just, I simply don't have the time for it. So to me, it would just be accessibility of, any film, any show, anything that you're interested in watching and and the time to sit down. Um, and maybe you have some friends there, whether they're your own personal friends like us, where we were just chatting about films. Maybe it's Francis Ford Coppola. And so you can watch, you know, The Godfather with you, something like that. To me, that is what Film Heaven would look like. That is awesome. Sounds amazing. So um, it would just be like like a cinema next to like a house with a couch next to like a <laughs> like a video rental store and you would just be like exactly. today I'm gonna go yeah. yeah depending on your vibe for that day yeah so if you were to show if you were officiating a wedding and there's like a film that summarizes love or you know maybe not even love but something that you you feel that someone who who you're marrying needs to watch what would that be 
I picked something that's a little bit out of the box for this. I imagine most people probably pick like a rom-com, right? Or a romance film. Um, I picked I Love You, Man. Nice. And to me, it's a movie. It, it is a wedding movie. There's a wedding in it. So I can, I can justify <laughs> it that way. Um, and I think it's, it's mostly obviously about a, a guy who wants to find a friend and, and form like a loving relationship in that sense. But there is also that element of like, two people finding true love and getting married in it as well. But to me, it's just a, obviously it's a very funny movie and a quotable movie um, and an, an enjoyable watch, but it's just, it's a film that brings a lot of people together in different ways, whether it's a family, a friend, a romantic partner. Um, I think it's just a lighthearted, entertaining, happy ending type of a movie. Yeah. It's been a while since I've seen that one. Uh, is it, uh, is Paul Rudd in that? Yeah, it's it's Paul Rudd and Jason Siegel. Yeah, that's right. Cool. Yeah, I remember liking it a lot. Yeah, it's right at the height of like Jason Siegel's kind of comedy film career. Yeah, you know, just was it around the time of the Muppets as well? I, slightly before, I think. Yeah, but yeah, kind of like in that, like I don't want to call it his prime years because I think he still makes good movies, interesting but, stuff. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, the, the, yeah. that like. There's a lot of buzz for Jason Siegel around that time and, and Paul Rudd too, like pre pre Ant Man. Yeah. I think the Muppets is an underrated modern classic. I love the Muppets. Me I too. Seen I, that one. It's I mean, the songs are great. The the, the idea cameos. for it's wonderful. Yeah, the cameos are spot on. It's just it's perfect. I love it. It's um you should go and watch it, Brandon. It's really good. Sweet. Maybe I'll pick it for for next Maybe that's week. Maybe that's what we're watching next week. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Talking of uh, Kermit the Frog, um, Andy, who are your film gods? <laughs> is Kermit one of your film gods? Is that the? Is that the I mean, he is after the Muppets. <laughs> um, this is also a difficult question. Um, I think I always was like really attracted to the films of Tim Burton. Burton mm-hmm. is like just somebody who has style down pat. You know a Tim Burton film when you see it. Um, I've always enjoyed his movies. Uh, I really like, I mentioned horror movies before. I love horror movies. So people like John Carpenter, Toby Hooper, those are are people that I've just exhausted their filmographies and gone through everything. Um, And then probably on the other side of the camera, Jimmy Stewart. I know, Lewis, I think you and I have spoken about Jimmy Stewart, but just love Jimmy Stewart. Just like what a to keep in with the with the religion metaphor just like what a saint of cinema right yeah just a, a great mm-hmm. a great actor um robert williams too is just mm-hmm. a joy to watch in anything he does um and i love natalie portman i have to give love to natalie portman yeah natalie portman's career is so interesting to me really? i feel like every choice she makes i'm just like like where did this come from mm-hmm. yeah you know and then coming back to like thor as well was such a bold step you know it's, yeah. uh, she never kind of, I don't know, takes it easy. Or, and I, I can I appreciate like, when an actor or an actress or whoever really can make fun of themselves and like what they, what they appear to be to the general public. Cause I always think back to the skit she did for SNL mm-hmm. where she's like, I'm not a role model. And she's like cursing and flicking yeah. off the camera and like <laughs> yeah. throwing stuff out the window. It's so funny. Yeah. It's so funny. She's just rapping. It's, it's yeah. really funny. I love the I think, interview she did with uh, Zach Galifianakis in Between Two firm, Ferns. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's like, so you shaved your head for V for Vendetta. Did you also shave your V for Vagina? <laughs> <laughs> it just gets me. 
Yeah. <laughs> Those are really great. <laughs> Those are really funny. <laughs> so I know you talked about um, like being into horror and stuff, and while we're on this film, gods, you do a thing every October that's got quite a like quite a following. It's the you do like thirty-one days of horror. Yeah, where you kind of write out what you're going to watch each night, um, and people love it. Can you just talk to us a little bit about that? Sure. Um, I'm I am always surprised when. I realized that it actually does have a following and it's, you know, it's nothing major, but I, every year I, like you say, I write out just a list of, of horror movies that I want to watch. And some of them are new, some like new as in like they came out that calendar year. Some of them are just things I've never seen before. Some of them are just classic favorites that I want to rewatch that I haven't watched in a while. Um, and I, when I was younger, I would, you know, put it on a notebook page. I would take a picture of the notebook page and like push, put that on Facebook and whatever. Mm. And I was like, this is silly. Who wants to see a pic? No one's going to go through Instagram and like this picture of a notebook page with text on it. Like, well, that's not what this is for. But every year that I don't post that picture, people are in my DMs. Where is our notebook picture? What is going on? Where's the list? I'm like, I guess people actually care about this. Um, that's cool. But yeah, I just, I picked 31 different movies. I always end it with uh, watching Halloween on Halloween because that's one of my all-time favorite movies, let alone horror movies. Um and it was fun. This year was a was a good year for horror movies. A lot of really yeah. good stuff. Smile, Barbarian, um, Pearl, and X were great. I know, Lewis, you and I chatted a little bit about that. Um, really, really good year for horror movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it helps me narrow it down. When I see that list go up, I always kind of have a look through and think, okay, what is Andy watching? What can I kind of pick out of here to watch as well? You know? <laughs> <laughs> so you always post that on Twitter? uh well twitter is like a weird place right now so it's yeah <laughs> it'll probably live on instagram for a while okay <laughs> yeah and uh and what's your instagram for the listeners i am at aj zike z-i-k-e Sweet. yeah um i just have one final question uh so the real film church to lewis and i is like the cinema do you have something like an experience that you had going to a cinema, you know, whether it be the first time this happened or a recent time, it could be, you know, any time. I, I feel like for cinema lovers, we we have a lot of experiences where we go to a cinema and it is a religious experience. Do you have any uh, any experiences like that that you want to talk about? Yeah, um, maybe like, I don't know, let's see, five years or so ago, uh, I went to see La La Land in theaters. And everybody was telling me when La La Land came out, you're probably not going to like this movie. It's a musical. It's, it's a little bit romantic. Like, it doesn't really seem like your cup of tea. Um, but I love both of those actors. Ryan Gosling mm-hmm. and the Stone are great. And I was interested in it by the, by the look of, like, the trailer and everything like that. And so I decided to go see it. Obviously, it was getting, like, rave reviews. It was going to be an Oscar, Oscar-worthy movie. Um, and I like to check those out just on... on my own anyway so I went to see it this was at a, a time where I like wasn't super happy with the job I was doing professionally wasn't super happy with where I was at because living in Los Angeles for the first time can be like a little bit a little bit hectic um but watching that movie loved the movie but to me that's like a, a 10 out of 10 film um just across the board really just like reinvigorated my love for Los Angeles and where I am and I remember walking out of the the theater I went to an independent theater chain here in in uh, Los Angeles is called Lemley. It's named after the 
guy, I think he was Carl Lumley for Universal. Mm-hmm. Lewis would probably know more yeah, history than mm-hmm. um, I was walking out in this like, kind of like a downtowny kind of, you know, local suburb area. And I was, it just like, I don't know, I felt like a different person coming out of that. I had a different yeah. appreciation for the city and there was lights around me and people and sounds and smells. And I was like, really a transformative experience. Um, and I don't know if I've had anything quite like that up to that point. And I don't know if I've had it since. Um, but obviously it had an effect on me. I'm still living in LA now, <laughs> um, working a different job, doing very different things, but, um, I didn't expect that type of movie to, to hit me that way and, yeah. uh, just enjoyed it as a film. And then just also as just a life experience. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. La La Land is a very, uh, it's a bold statement. It's a bold cinematic statement of a movie and yeah, yeah it, it is, uh, it's a lot of fun. Like I remember I was working at studio movie grill when that came out. So I got to kind of experience it, you know, kind of the same experience you had the first time watching it, but, but then also getting to like re experience it with like new audiences coming in, you know, and getting to kind of be a part of different audiences coming in and out of that movie. Um, yeah. yeah such a good movie. Excited like- for Damien Chazelle's oh. new film. <laughs> I know it's about gonna a be month. good. Yeah. yeah, third it's about three hours long as well, so there's going to be a lot of debauchery in it. I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. La La Land is so great to me because I just feel you know that everything comes in cycles in cinema. Everything is, you know, like the western and everything like that, and they've all had revivals apart from the musical. There's not been that mm-hmm. many revivals of the musical, and it was mm-hmm. such a bold choice to go after such a success of Whiplash. To go, I'm just going to make, you know, an old classic Hollywood musical, yeah, um, and it just works so well, and it's so singular that yeah. I think, you know, and I, I know that it does get a bit of not hate, but there's a few people that like poo poo it, um, but I think it's great. I think it's a it's a modern classic. I love it. I think people do that do the poo poo thing though, just because it was so popular, and I think sometimes yeah. people like to do the trendy thing where you you don't like what everybody else likes. Yeah, um, yeah. And then plus the whole fiasco at the award ceremony where it won and it didn't win. It was, so I think it's like a little bit of easy bait in that sense. Um, but yeah, talk about a person who just wants to make whatever movie he wants, right? And Damien yeah. Chazelle and like, so I want to make a musical. I'm gonna make a musical. I feel like it ties into our theme a little bit today. Definitely. Yeah. And I feel like he's such a filmmaker for for lovers of cinema. You know, mm-hmm. like Whiplash was great as a as a little drama. And then um the history in La La Land and now it's like the the silent era coming into the talkies in Hollywood. You know, for anyone that's interested in cinema and like the history of it, he's just he's making films for us. So yeah. I love the guy. I can't wait to see it. Well, now I think we are gonna move on to our feature presentation. This is American Movie from 1999. It takes a village to make a movie, but when that village is Minimoni Falls, hopefully I'm pronouncing that right, Wisconsin, the results are bizarre, comical, and quintessentially American. With the help of his mother, his 82-year-old uncle, and a local cast of oddballs, DIY filmmaker Mark Borchardt, fights his way through internal and external roadblocks to achieve his goal of making his movie, an independent horror short film called Coven. 
have to pronounce that correctly because he's very he's very particular about that. Um, making his movie his way. His inspiration comes from films as disparate as The Texas Chainsaw Massacre and The Seventh Seal, as well as his experiences growing up amid the gray skies, rusty cars, and ranch houses of Milwaukee's northwest side. Spanning over two years of struggle, financial decline, and spiritual crisis, this cult favorite, which was a winner of Sundance's Grand Jury Prize for documentary, is a hilarious, poignant, and heartfelt tale of ambition, obsession, excess, and one man's pursuit of the American dream. Wholesome. Now... I always like to start when we when we start to talk about a film. I always like to start with either where we heard about it first or where we saw it first. Um, and Andy, as this was your uh, pick for this week, um, when did you first see this film? Uh, I probably watched this for the first time. I, I want to say I was in high school, maybe around like, oh gosh, like two thousand eight, two thousand nine, two thousand ten, somewhere in there. Um, and it was in my period of time where I was like I had decided that I wanted to do film as a career or at least attempt to do film as a career and, and go to college for it and whatnot. Um, so what I was doing was just doing a lot of research online in terms of what people were generally considering very good movies, movies to watch, et cetera. Um, and I remember it showed up on a bunch of different lists because it's a very unique movie. Um, it's not something that is what you would normally expect or what you find in a textbook. You know, this is no Citizen Kane. <laughs> um, <laughs> But it was something that I was like, oh, this seems interesting and it seems fun. And I remember watching it and, and just loved it right off the bat. That's awesome. And Brennan, had you heard about it before? Yeah, I first heard about this film about 10 years ago. Um, I was just coming off of a night or a day of like filming and doing stuff around Austin uh, with a film buddy of mine. And we were staying the night at a friend's house. So it was like midnight. And we, you know, I'm exhausted and we sit on the couch and uh, the person we were staying with was talking about this movie. And he's like, we should watch this. You guys will like it. He puts it on and I fall right to sleep. <laughs> so it, it's like been on my mind since then. Like, you know, because yeah. the next day they were like, oh, this movie was really good. And they were talking about it. And like, I didn't remember a single thing about it. So it's been on my mind since then. And then um, our mutual friend, Zach, who's been on the show, uh, this is like one of his favorite movies. And about a year ago, he let me borrow it. And it's a, sort of a similar thing happened, but a little bit differently. I was, I was, I think I had gotten off work and I like started drinking some beers <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and I put this movie on and I, I was not ready for it. I was it like, I, I kind of started having an ex ex existential crisis while I was watching it being like, Oh my God, this movie is about me. I got to turn it off. <laughs> and so, um, I've sort of been afraid to go back and watch it, but you know, like I should have known that it was going to be amazing, you know, and that it was going to be great. Yeah. And I just needed to, to sit through it, but I think I probably wasn't ready for it at the time. So yeah, that, that was my experience up until now with this movie. I, I did think about you a lot while I was watching it. I yeah. was like, I'm sure this is Brandon is getting a lot from this movie. <laughs> um, I hadn't heard about it until um, Mike Shank passed away earlier this year. Mm -hmm. um, and I know a lot of people kind of were tweeting about it and um, sending kind of just think pieces out about the, the documentary itself. Um, and Edgar Wright wrote a really great, you know, just a tweet just about how he'd watched it when he was, 
you know, just starting out and it kind of gave him so much drive and how everyone was so real and it was just like I could get my friends together and I could actually do something. Yeah. Um and it, you know, and then it kind of added into my um to watch list then. Um but it's not easy to get a hold of. I mean, it's on Criterion Channel right now. I know it's on DVD and stuff, but it's not like widely available. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not kind of on a lot of streaming sites. Yeah. Um so, yeah, I'm really happy that that we um got around to watching it. So, it does tell the the story of Mark over as as Andy said a two-year period where um he's trying to I mean, he starts off trying to get another film off the ground. It's kind of you know, we we see the the starting process of his his feature film. Yeah. Um being, and then he goes back to to Coven, which which may sound weird as to why we're saying it like that. Um, it's actually Coven, but he is adamant to call it Coven. Um, so it's just referred to as Coven the whole way through, which is bizarre. Um, but it, yeah, it's a it's a really interesting story about just the drive to get a film made. I mean, yeah. it's it's insane. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a lot. It's I mean, just right off the bat, um I think Mark well, all of the characters kinda stand out a lot a lot, but you know, I mean it starts out with Mark and him him I mean the opening like dialogue of the film, he's talking about how he's failed, you know, that that he was a failure and he can't uh be a failure anymore or else he's going to get sad and depressed and he's he's got to no matter what he's got to like follow through and complete his his dream and and uh i think that his attitude right off the bat is just infectious and then and then you get into um some of the other characters that that he's surrounded himself with that are have been infected by his uh his drive and want to help him complete his his project um and then but then kind of quick like quickly after that maybe like 10 or 20 minutes in you get you see the other side of that and the and the people who don't believe in him at all you know yeah it's funny because i think oh go ahead sorry i was just gonna say and it's sadly mostly family Mm-hmm. that, that yeah. don't see anything you know of no even his mother who does help him towards the end is like yeah i don't think he's gonna make it yeah which is really sad mm-hmm. and there's like a weird like dichotomy for people <coughs> that, that do support him and they either there's like an element of of resentment that they are supporting him or they don't want to like publicly make it appear like there's like you look at, you know, I know we'll talk a little bit about the different the different people in the film. Um, but you look at like his uncle Bill, who is putting up a lot of money. And I think that says a lot about somebody to, you know, in terms of supporting a, a family member and, and their endeavors and what they're trying to do, um, especially with the amount of I think there's like a quote where Bill put in like, I don't know, tens of thousands of dollars into into Northwestern, the feature film. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's always cracking jokes at Mark and acting like he doesn't want to be doing whatever it is they're doing. Yeah. That he doesn't understand how the bank works. Like very <laughs> typical, like old grandpa stuff. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, he still supports him. And I know at the end of the film, I don't maybe we won't talk about that until later, but there's a nice moment at the very end of the film where that support still goes on. And so there's this weird like dichotomy between the those two ideas of support, but also not supporting him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I mean it, it it kind of goes to show the determination that you have to have, or and especially Mark has to have in his situation to complete anything and to to get anything to get a film done he's he's already like on top of battling his own inner demons of of um having the drive uh to to get something made he's also battling other people and having to convince other people which you know i think can kind of be a good thing i mean it's like if if he didn't have to like if bill had just given him the money you know, just wrote him a check or whatever. Um, and he didn't have to be accountable and like keep track of the books side of, of, uh, the project. I don't I don't think that would have done him a service. You know, I, I think it, it, it might've hindered what he was able to accomplish. Um, yeah. And I think uncle Bill probably knew that in terms mm-hmm. of not making him, you know, keep track of it, but keeping him, uh, humble and like, yeah, you know, just like if you if you if you're to gonna do this, you yeah. you've really got to want to. Yeah, exactly. You know, and you've got to want to have the reward as well. Yeah, and they talk about there's a scene uh, where it's I forget how old he turned, but Bill has a birthday in, mm. in the film, and they're at a diner or something, and it's mm. it's all the family. And Mark's father is saying that Bill used to be a scholar and he was very smart and, you know, he hasn't answered every question. And so I feel like you see a little bit in that with what you were just describing, Lewis, is like, sure, he puts up the money, but then he doesn't just disappear. Even if he appears to not know what's going on with the money or appears frustrated with the process, like, I think his drive as, as I hesitate to call them characters because they're all real people. Um, but as a, as a person in this film, uh, to keep Mark on track is there's like an element of him being very smart about this and being very business savvy and a scholar. And I think that kind of shows through a little bit, even if it's not totally portrayed or if he's not portrayed in that light. Yeah. 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 I think Bill kind of is the perfect antagonist for Mark. Um, When I called, uh, I called Zach the other day to talk to him about this movie after I'd just finished it. And one of the things he said was like, you could not write, more unique characters <laughs> and yeah, it's true and, and it's interesting the dynamic between mark and bill because mark is you know he's so determined he's so he's like mr positive like every yeah <laughs> every situation he like you know finds some good in it uh yeah. in in the challenges that he faces but bill is the only one who kind of like gets under his skin you know, <laughs> yeah. um, and you can see it, you can see it on his face, even though, like, even though Mark still overcomes it, you know, he still kind of turns it around and, and mm. kind of pushes through those situations. You can tell that he's like really, <laughs> he's like really deterring him, you know? Yeah. Well, it's like the it's scene like where a, they, it's like in a great family way, too, um, because there's that scene where he, he gives him a bath. Um, yeah, I think it's on Thanksgiving or during the Super Bowl or something. Um, so I don't know. It just makes me think of like sibling rivalries or you know any sort of familial conflict where people can say things and then 
you still push through it because you know your family and you know even even if somebody says something negative or there's a critique, it's it's usually done with an element of support behind it or to to make you better in a different way. And so yeah, you know, what you were touching on on Brandon, like he pushes through and then he's it's still his uncle at the end of the day. And he still loves yeah, his uncle exactly. and appreciative of everything and appreciative of like the wisdom and the money and the support and everything. It's it's a, such an interesting relationship. Yeah, it, it is. That is a really nice scene, too, that you're talking about when he when he gives him a bath, because you see you do see, you know, even though it seems like he's an antagonist through the whole thing, you do see this this kind of bonding and, and special yeah. relationship that they have. <laughs> I love like when he's he's talking about his toe. He's like, like, that toe's a science photo. (laughs) And Bill just repeats everything he says. He's like, science photo? He's like, yeah, like for science class. Science class? (laughs) And then even later, when, like after Thanksgiving, when he's like really drunk and he's like, I see great cinema in this. And he's like, cinnamon? (laughs) Just like like a very typical old person. Yeah. Yeah. I think it I think that's the sign of this being a great documentary though because it comes at a point in the film where you're not quite sure what that relationship is and the, the what we've seen of Bill hasn't been he hasn't been 100% there yet you yeah. know he hasn't kind of you know Mark hasn't been I don't know it's the relationship has been weird up until this point yeah um we know that he's lent Mark a lot of money and Mark keeps talking about you're going to get it back you're going to get it back um but until that point, you know, we see that the relationship goes both ways. That there's a lot mm-hmm. that Mark probably does for Bill that we don't get to see, and this is him yeah. kind of, you know, paying. There's an element of respect there for, like, yeah. respect for an elder or for a family member. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, yeah, I do love that scene. That whole Thanksgiving day is just brilliant. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, because early on, like. Just the car ride, he's just like, the the car ride in the beginning, he's just like, you know, I don't believe in anything. Yeah. You know, I he's got faith in nothing, I think he says at one point, and then he's like, I don't believe in anything of what you're doing. And, <laughs> <laughs> but Mark is like, you know, he's just still like trying to turn it around. And yeah. uh, there's also a, a great moment when he's, when he's like, you're going to get your name as, <laughs> in the credits as a producer. And, it's like yay. <laughs> he has like a weird, uh, almost like a power over Mark to a certain degree, because like the, the classic scene where he's filming him recording that opening line to yeah. to, and you don't see every single take, but Mike is in the background, and Mike is like, "Okay, now we're on to take sixty-four, and it's like they've yeah. done this sixty-four times. It's the dead of winter. This poor old man is yeah. just sitting out in the car. Yeah. And then at the end of it, he's just like, "No, I'm done. We're done with this." Yeah. Yeah. And Mark's like, "Okay, sure, we're yeah. done." I feel, and then I feel it, like that shows a lot to Mark's like positivity, as you were saying, Brandon. The fact that he's the one, Bill's the one that caves first. You know, it's not Mark getting frustrated that he can't say nine words. Yeah, you know, back to back, it's it's Bill that's getting frustrated that it's not good enough. Yeah, <laughs> and Mark still made it work. Like you get to see yeah. that part. You get to see how he edited it at the end. <laughs> I just I wish we could have seen them filming when the car is like moving and he leans out the window because we only see him record the audio of the line. And I will. Yeah. there has to be a story there. <laughs> like, yeah, oh, I'm just sure. how everything else is played out. <laughs> yeah, 
The one bit I am really glad that they showed us them filming is them um, throwing that poor guy's head through the cabinet door um, <laughs> that they didn't do enough to to break. Um, oh, I mean, talk about running through brick walls for people. This poor guy, before we even see it, he says to the camera, I've been dreading today. Like, I know what's coming. I've been dreading it so much. And they're like, you know, messing with the door, trying to make it break. And then they shove his head into it and it just does not budge at yeah. all. <laughs> yeah, well, he, I mean, and then, he's, and then he's so casual. He's like, oh man, I'm sorry. I tried to put your head through that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I listen. I was listening to the commentary earlier. And and you know it shows it shows Mark like punch it a couple of times and and yeah, yeah and then he's like oh I'm sorry I tried to put your head in, in through this they, in the commentary they said they cut out Mark actually punches that thing like twenty times they only show him punch it a couple of times he like he punches it twenty times and he still can't punch through it oh my god but yeah that guy was like talking about how he uh. They had like filmed it a year before, and he was like, "I was hoping that you know it was good the first time, but we got to do it again." I think that the the actors in the movie, like the actors in the movie within the movie, are so interesting too because they've stuck with Mark for two years yeah. trying to make. And who I don't know, I, I'm assuming he's paying them or at least giving them credit or something. I, who knows what that, what that's all about? But the fact that they still stuck around and yeah. kept coming back and kept wanting to be a part of it, or even his friends who were you know, holding the camera for him or doing the storyboards or there's the, they interview a guy who was going to do special effects at one point. Yeah. So like mm -hmm. he, he really took it seriously and filled all these roles, whether the, the people were like truly trained or qualified or what, but they stuck with them and they, they came back. Even the guy that was like, I'm dreading this scene. He's there and he's ready <laughs> yeah, to do yeah. it. And he probably gets concussed in the process. Yeah. I mean, he's a very, he gets people on the side, you know, I mean, when he's setting up his his feature film Northwestern, I mean, I don't know if it's the just a producer or if it's you know a, a scout or or who it is, but but is it Joan, the the girl that he starts his dating? Girlfriend. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, all of a sudden it's like, oh, we're dating now, yeah. and it's like he's obviously got to pull over people mm -hmm. to make them kind of keep coming back, which I think you know you see in the film, you can see that pull because he's so enthusiastic, mm -hmm. he knows what he's trying to do, he's not gonna let it drop you know and he has yeah. got that he's he's funny you know there's certain things that are really really funny especially between him and mike yeah and he's likable he's yeah, very he for you know he's had so many personal problems he, he's very poor and he's past due like there's that great scene where he's going through all his bills and he's like oh, i got a mastercard f yeah <laughs> <laughs> like just celebrate like he's just a likable guy despite his you know, borderline alcoholism or his, you know, being in debt or, or any of the issues that might really push somebody down in life, he perseveres. And I think that's what makes him yeah. so likable is that you, yeah. you want to root for him. Yeah. Yeah. I, ha I have a question for both of y'all in relation to that. Do you think that Mark's love for cinema is as infectious as any great director? You know, like, what, you know, I think I listen to interviews with directors all the time, Scorsese, yeah. et cetera. Like, and when you hear people like that talk about cinema, it just makes you want to go out and make a movie. It makes you want to watch everything out there and 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 uh, you know create beautiful art. Do you think that Mark's? Do you think that's kind of why this film resonates with people? Is because Mark's love for cinema is is infectious like that? I think his drive definitely is. Yeah. I think you see the lengths that he goes to 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 not only 
you know, get this film made, but also get it made the way he wants it. There's no, you know, even on the stuff that he does have to compromise on, there's still, you know, he still goes that extra mile to get it as perfect as possible. Yeah. You know, in his eyes. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. And that's definitely infectious. You know, you can see he's given his life to it. You want him to succeed. You want, you know, you want him to to make the best film he can. Yeah. I would agree too. I, I would say a thousand percent yes, because there's these little moments. They're almost like blinking, you miss them moments where his education about film kind of shines through. There's he's like standing with Mike and they're I think they're in front of the junkyard or something, and he's just casually talking about the first time he tried to film Northwestern and he says something like, you know, we've we've filmed in every F stop known to man. And that's not something that the casual person would know about, but the fact that he knows about f-stops or the fact that he storyboards all of his work and the storyboards are actually good they're not just like yeah. stick figures on paper or yeah. anything like all these little bits and bobs about the filmmaking process that's the kind of stuff you know like brandon like you said when you listen to a director interview they're talking about that kind of stuff the technical mm-hmm. side of it and the process and yeah he's got such a passion that he knows all of that stuff and yeah. so i think yeah. that's there's a there's an interesting element where you can't quite like achieve it <laughs> Yeah, and like get yeah. to the end result like a lot of the other directors can um but i think that passion is is totally there that, that's what draws it to uh, draws me to the movie and and it's entertaining to me as to having gone through film school and, and done the you know the filmmaking quote-unquote thing that's the relatable elements to me so yeah yeah for sure and this is at a time when like the filmmaking like the filmmaking is very looks very different now than it than it uh did back then where he's shooting on film he's hand editing on film um yeah it's, it's so interesting to watch the process uh and fun to watch um lewis and i were were talking about this a little bit earlier uh we both saw the fablemans this week have you seen it yet andy not yet um it's really really good i won't spoil it for anybody but it was i, I ended up watching it the same day i watched american movie and it was a great double feature for this movie, I would say. Yeah. Um, because you get to see kind of some of the same like filmmaking process and stuff too. Yeah. It's hard to, I mean, around that filmmaking process, it's hard to to think of this as coming out in 1999. It mm-hmm. feels very, it feels earlier than that. The whole way through, yeah. it does feel a lot, you know. And that's probably the setting and and the fact that they're using film and. And all that kind of stuff, but it does feel like you know late eighties as opposed to late nineties. Yeah. Um, because like camcorders, I mean, people were starting to record on like on other on you know not quite digital yet, but they were starting to move away from film. Yeah. You know, so um, the fact that everything is still handheld cameras and and re-recording sound, you know, um, yeah, is really interesting and probably speaks a lot to to Mark's knowledge, you know, mm-hmm. about cinema and filmmaking. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is right at the time of the, you know, the indie like 90s surge. I mean, this is like 94, 95 when they start the, you know, recording this documentary. Um, <coughs> and, uh, yeah, I get. I mean, it took a couple of years to film the documentary, and then a couple of years to edit it. I guess, mm. but um, but yeah, I mean, it, it it feels like Mark is in line with with all of those kind of indie filmmakers of the time. 
Yeah. There's a scene too where they reference that he's watching. I think it's um, is it Billy Crystal hosting the Academy Awards and Mark yeah. sitting there watching the Academy Awards and whatever the joke is that that he makes in the monologue of like all these indie filmmakers. Nice to meet you all. I don't know who all of you guys are anymore. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting because that's real life and that's they like you mentioned like we can look at that uh, like retroactively and say oh there was this huge indie surge and even American movie probably the documentary as, as on its own is a part of that um, mm-hmm. to a certain extent so yeah yeah because yeah. I mean it won it won the grand jury prize of Sundance that year that it came out which is great mm-hmm. I mean uh, I'm sure it, it just launched everybody into a lot of opportunities I mean the Chris Smith, the guy who directed this documentary, was uh, one of the producers on Tiger King. <laughs> uh, he just directed the um, uh, Robert Downey Jr. or Robert Downey Sr. documentary uh, about Robert Downey Jr.'s dad, which I haven't watched yet, but it looks really good. I think it's already out on Netflix. Um, and, so, the, yeah. and he directed the... Um... The documentary about Jim Carrey. Yes, yeah, Jim and Andy, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, which speaking of which, like <clears throat> while watching this, I I couldn't help but think about the filmmaking of the documentary itself. It's just so well done. And, you know, he's, he's having to direct people while, <laughs> you know, they're in real life. They're trying to like live their lives and like make a movie and stuff. He's yeah. having to like, okay, now I, n- I need to get this cut away. I need you to like stand over here and do this. Um, yeah. But it, it doesn't everywhere. feel like that. Yeah, he exactly. It's like everywhere. The editing is amazing. Like they had to have had two cameras for some of it, but I don't know. Like the editing is just so well done. It's yeah. it's incredibly well made uh, and, and feels like it. it's hard to see how he did it you know, how he did it so well because that mainly because of the editing. Um, but, uh, but yeah, like you said, it seems like he's everywhere. The camera is just in all the right places. And it's one of those documentaries that I feel could just go on for double Mm -hmm. the time and I'd be happy. You know, it it feels like there's a lot that still that was left out, you know? Yeah. Um, that I could have done with watching again. Yeah. I think a lot of documentaries, depending on the subject matter, can be dry. And I think mm-hmm. you know, general viewing public, I'm sure a lot of people that's their biggest critique with documentaries is that they're a little bit, you know, dry or yeah. they go on for a little bit too long. But I think this movie is about like an hour, forty five minutes, something around there. But it's it's such a quick watch. I mm-hmm. I you know, didn't do the thing where you, you push the remote and see how far along you are. Yeah. Like I next thing I know, the movie's almost <coughs> over. And I'm like, yeah. gosh, I, I could be here for another 20 minutes another half an hour like i, I want to know what happens next i yeah. i didn't want to leave these people um despite all of their craziness and zaniness like i, yeah. I wanted to be there more yeah definitely it's um yeah it's great and i think the the fact about it is is those documentaries that seem dry seem to only have one message where this touches on so much not only about being a filmmaker but also about america and you know circumstance and kind of of you know achieving your dreams you know it, it's not yeah. it's not just a one well there's just lots of film. stuff about life in there you know yeah. just you know like you said about achieving the american dream but then you've also got all the great stuff with mike and and talking about his drug use and talking about 
like just wanting a friend to drink vodka with him <laughs> and um yeah and and that, there's a lot of stuff about just wanting like companionship and just wanting to believe in something and all of these like universal like human story themes yeah you know that are that are seeped in there stuff with family and you know stuff with you know the dynamics with between his sim- siblings and his parents and then between his you know ex-wife and his children and his girlfriend yeah. and you know just it's just it, there's just, just so much of life seeped in there and then and then bill who you know who's who's this old man who's just you know i mean at one point uh it's kind of a. It's kind of an interesting scene when when Mark comes in and he's like, "What the hell did you do with your life?" <laughs> and you're just like, you know, it's it's such an honest. Um, everybody in this documentary is so honestly and honest and so genuinely themselves, you know, yeah. for, for better or worse, um, that there's so much to take from it. I think you, you know, you could take something from this every time you watch it, even if you watch it a million times, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Mike has that great quote. And I has, I actually say great quote. It seems a little funny. I don't think it's going to like stand up in the pantheon of great movie quotes, but um, where he talks about playing the lottery and he's like, I always say you can, when you play the lottery, you can win or you can lose. But if you do drugs or you drink alcohol, you always lose. Yeah. And it's funny at, at first, and, you, and it's so simple and basic, but you're like, there's, that, there's a lot of truth to that. There's yeah. a lot of people who fall down on their luck. And, and, and he was one of those. Mike was one of those people who was an alcoholic and quit doing that. And he tells that insane story where he took acid that was mm. laced with, with PCP, I think, and almost died. And yeah. then goes on to tell Mark, oh, by the way, we'll stay up all night. I'll tell you even more of these stories. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you talk about life lessons. It, it, it's, they're almost like hidden in plain sight in a way. Yeah. They're so yeah. simple and they're so, they're so straightforward, but I think they hit so well and so strongly. Yeah. I think, I think Mike is very unassuming, but there, <clears throat> there is a lot of wisdom in kind of everything <clears throat> that he says, you know, and he's, yeah. and he's just such a like, great personality i think i mean he, he feels is. just like a national treasure yeah you know he's like the ultimate like sidekick or buddy yeah 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 he is yeah every time he's on the screen i just felt happy just seeing like whenever he'd show up at the house i was like okay good mike's here yeah. you know there's gonna be he's gonna <laughs> say something that's just gonna warm my heart or he's gonna smile and you know um it, it was just great. I just, I just loved him so much. And then when he does I his scream, I, I love that scene where he comes in. I think it's on uh, Thanksgiving, and he's just like being really coy. And Mark's like, "What's going on, man? You're not telling yeah. us something." You're not. He's like, "No, everything's great. Everything's great." And then there's like a talking head of him in the basement whispering, "Like, I just won fifty bucks, and I don't want those guys to ask me for." <laughs> Yeah. it's just so funny yeah <laughs> or when he screams he like all the actors are trying yeah. to get the scream right for for one of the films and then mike just comes in and crushes it yeah and, and mark is so happy he's so <laughs> excited yeah his his scream was just incredible it was yeah. like holy shit yeah like <laughs> where's this actor been i know <laughs> He's just such a, a simple person, and I don't mean that in a bad way at all. I no. think he's a straight shooter, and he's 
comfortable with where he is at at that moment in time. Um, and yeah. he does he does all the music for the movie too, which is yeah also very simple but great. It's great yeah. music. Um, mm -hmm. and all of his interactions with Mark. I there's like so many scenes that we could probably sit here and, and quote. But the other one that comes to mind is uh, <laughs> where Mark talks about being drunk and calling Morocco. <laughs> <laughs> which is is so out of the blue and so random and you're watching it and you're like what the hell is he talking about and he's like mike is that what you want to do with your life just get super drunk and call morocco at 3 a.m mike's like no <laughs> that's it and that's yeah. on to the next one yeah <laughs> yeah mike is uh, mike is the best um and i think everyone needs a friend like mike to to get by um yeah he's he's great um and a lot of love kind of came pouring out when he passed away earlier this year as i said earlier mm -hmm. he uh, yeah a lot of people i think you know realized how great he was as a person and and uh how well liked he was as well yeah yeah him and um and Mark, I believe, have done. I mean, from what I've I looked at just on their IMDb pages, they've yeah. done a lot of like cameos and stuff in films. And uh, I'd I'd really like to go seek those out. Yeah, for they, sure. They've even done a Family Guy bit. They just play themselves, mm. I think. Like they yeah. become characters in their or caricatures, mm. maybe. Um, yeah. But they just play themselves. You know, the Family Guy <laughs> bit is is really funny and only like a twenty second little clip, but yeah. When you think about it, you're like these two guys in, in American Boobie made in 1999 are in Family Guy. Like that's how yeah. far they've gone just from this alone, let alone yeah. like what Mark was trying to achieve, what he was trying to film, the short films, the the docu uh, the the long form Northwestern, which I don't think he's ever actually finished it. I think it's still no, yeah, in production. Um, but the fact that Seth MacFarlane can call them up and say, "Hi, I want you guys to just be yourself on Family Guy." Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think you made it once you once yeah. you made it on Family Guy, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. <laughs> yeah, I would love to see like a post documentary. Yeah. You know, like yeah. you know, just update on on uh, where Mark's at in his life, and and you know, I'd be curious to see, you know, some of like just his family situation. You know, what what is yeah parents thought of the success of this movie and and you know what his children ended up doing because i feel like you can't help but be influenced by uh, a father with that much passion and and also yeah. going to see apocalypse now as a child <laughs> <laughs> you know like it, one thing <laughs> one thing i didn't tell you lewis when we were talking about this this film before we came we came on here to record um i've met mark Really? What? <laughs> yeah. Really quickly, really briefly, um, in Los Angeles, they do uh, something called Sinespia, and they'll do screenings at a cemetery. It sounds a little weird, I know. Yeah. But, um, there's this very, very famous cemetery uh, just like in the heart of Hollywood, and they do uh, a summer movie screenings outside. It's like a, mm. a huge thing here. They did American movie. This is, oh gosh, maybe like seven or 10 years ago now. Um, and they, they, all, they didn't say that he was going to be there. They just showed the movie. They, they showed on the big wall of the mausoleum, right? Everybody brings mm. lawn chairs and snacks and whatnot. Um, very random movie to, to play because usually they yeah. play like the big budget, like popcorn type stuff yeah. or like classics. Um, 
coincidentally, the other movie I've seen at the at the cemetery was Apocalypse Now, which is a weird, <laughs> a weird coincidence. Um, but they showed the movie, and I remember going with some friends, and it, you know, their mileage varied on how much they they enjoyed the film. Um, but of course, I, I loved it. And at the end, the uh, the host of it was like, "Oh yeah, by the way, we have a surprise for you. Mark is here." Wow, <laughs> it's so just surreal of an experience because yeah. you watch the, watching this movie this american movie is such a surreal watch mm. that when it becomes so like it becomes real <laughs> yeah. Certain way. Well, yeah and he was there and he was standing right there and he took a couple of questions and and you know the the tldr of it is that he's still the same guy he is yeah. passionate about movies he's pushing along he's done you know decently well for himself coming off of something like this but was a super humble guy was a super happy guy like very appreciative of all the success that the movie gave him. Um, just, it was him stepped out of the screen. He just was a, a yeah. genuinely nice guy. That's awesome. That's really cool. Wow. How cool. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm jealous. There's so many <laughs> questions that, that I, you know, this film left me with. Just, just how did the filmmakers find Mark? Yeah. Like, what was it that kind yeah. of made them like zero down and be like, okay, we need to film this? Well, you know, I'd, uh, listening to the um, the commentary, they didn't say exactly how they met. They they yeah. I guess bumped into each other somehow, mm. and um, it started off as just like, oh, we're gonna we're gonna film the behind the scenes for your for your movie that you're making, mm. Mm. Um, and then I think once they started, it just kept getting more and more interesting that there wasn't any turning back. Yeah. Uh, Cause like once they met Bill and, um, and, uh, Mike, Mike. and, and everybody, <laughs> it was just like, we've got to just keep this going, yeah. you know? Um, yeah. and, uh, it was, it was a pretty, from the sound of it, a pretty, uh, grueling kind of shoot as far as, yeah. you know, the documentary goes. I mean, uh, Mark, they, they don't really talk about it in the, documentary but they do in the commentary mark is like m has moved in with his parents into their basement then so he's mm -hmm. like living in there um while i think one of his brothers is living there um so they're like they're, they they kind of talk about that a little bit in the commentary how there was always kind of a lot of tension yeah. surrounding like the kitchen and living room area just because there was like so much going on all the time and yeah um and the the filmmakers um, that are making the documentary were kind of, you know, making it up as they went along. They were they were yeah. buying film as they went along, you know, trying to save up money and buy the next roll of film and stuff. So it it is incredible what they were able to accomplish, like knowing yeah. what they had to go through to just get this thing made. But you know, thank God they did and stuck it out for those. I mean, two years is a long time to kind of keep going pull, at it yeah you yeah. know um mm -hmm. and then and then they talk about at the end um after bill passed away they it was kind of like a a closing of the film i mean they don't yeah. they didn't film the the funeral obviously no but it was like a last like all the everybody that was involved in in helping out um mark with everything you know showed up to the funeral and they all kind of got to say goodbye to each other and then and then after that, they started editing it and took them another two years. Wow. 
So. I wonder how, like, I wonder where Mark's head was at when he was approached by Chris Smith. And like, if Chris came up to him and said, hi, I'd like to do this, whether it was a behind the scenes of your film or a documentary of you making mm. it, like, I wonder if Mark was thinking, hey, this would be a great way for me to get my name out there. Like, thinking yeah. of it a little bit Machiavellian to that extent, right? And like, oh, maybe this will help me then fund Northwestern. Or yeah. if he was just seeing another filmmaker, because I think this is pretty early on in like what Chris Smith was doing with his mm -hmm. films. Like I know a lot of the documentaries that we were just talking about were relatively recent. Um, so I don't know if this was his first thing or one of his first things, but I wonder if he just saw another another mark in Chris. I was like, oh, here's a guy that's trying to make his movie. Let me help him by having him film me. Yeah. Yeah. And I wonder, like off of that, how he felt when it became so popular. When it did win the jury, like Grand Prize, was he... Do you think yeah. he was like resistant to it, or do you think he was like happy for Chris? You know, I think like, what, he must have be been happy for his, him. I mean, because yeah. the because the commentary uh, takes place after the success of it. I mean, you know, yeah, it's after it's been bought and and won the grand prize and stuff. So and and you know, uh, Mark and Mike and Chris Smith and the other filmmaker. Uh, I think her name is Sarah something. I'll look her up real quick. But, um, you know, they're all on the the commentary, you know, and mm. everything is, mm. yeah, I mean, they're all, I mean, I'm sure they're all still friends. Yeah. Well, good. I hope so. Because I can just imagine as, you know, a filmmaker just trying to to make the great American movie and then someone being like, hey, I want to film you doing that and then get success off the back of it. Like a hold my you know, beer moment, yeah. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Maybe a bit like, I don't know, demoralizing. But I guess I'm looking at it from the wrong way. I guess for Mark, it, it may have just been like, my name's out there now. Like maybe yeah. I can, you know, get things made easier. Sarah, Sarah I, I Price remember, is the other filmmaker. Mm. Um, I do remember when, when he did do this little like, Q&A speech is like a strong word for it, but just like mm. addressed the the group of people that was watching this, yeah. this cemetery movie. Just a super humble guy. And I can't remember like specifically what he said, because we're talking, like I said, like 10 years ago. Um, but I just remember him being exactly how he was, just humble and appreciative and pleasant and yeah. supportive. And maybe it was because he did see some personal success just as a as yeah. a person and a character coming out of this this film and like was able to do things like Family Guy and, and all the other stuff. Um or maybe he was just genuinely happy and yeah. appreciative of what of what went down. Um it's interesting to think that Northwestern still wasn't ever finished. And we're talking oh, no. we're talking yeah. like almost thirty years ago. Um but he seems okay with it. He seems yeah. okay, he seems that he's fine yeah. with it. He did um I was reading he did some sort of a documentary himself. Mm -hmm. um i can i forget what it was called i don't know if you guys were doing some research about that but yeah i was um, looking it up earlier yeah it, i think it was like five years ago mm -hmm. and it 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 was accepted to the slam dance film festival which is like the i don't know if it, you would call it anti-sundance film festival but it basically takes place down the street from sundance mm -hmm. um the and, dundee uh, project yeah yeah. Focuses uh, on attendees of a UFO festival in Wisconsin. Sounds it honestly sounds really entertaining. Yeah. Yeah. Um I mean and he's you know, he he's done a lot of like cameo work and he's he's got like some upcoming projects it looks like he's got a 
a feature film, I guess, in production, possibly. Um, yeah. Called Scare Me. Um, I don't know how accurate that is. Sometimes IMDb is weird, but um, I mean, he. I feel like he's got enough of a cult following that. I mean, I would love to see anything that he makes. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so this might be a weird comparison, but you know who kind of this is it's not a one for one in any way. But you know who kind of comes to mind is uh, Tommy Wiseau, a little mm-hmm. bit. Yeah. Somebody mm-hmm. who is just a character, and obviously Mark is maybe not quite as far on the spectrum as, as yeah. Tommy is, um, <coughs> but just someone who is an entertaining person and yeah. has developed like a cult following. And mm-hmm. I think people will watch whatever Tommy Wiseau makes, whether it, you know whether you think it's good or not obje- uh, subjectively. But I feel like Mark is probably in that same boat is that people want to see what he's doing because yeah. of this one project that was done in the same way that yeah. Like, yeah. Tommy had the room. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And I think this film is important because it shows, you know, we talk a lot about filmmakers that, that have their big break and, you know, make it against all the odds, you know, they, they were destined to achieve whatever happens. And I think this is like the opposite side of the coin is like, like there's people that also have that drive that don't make it in the same way as these other people do, you know, he's not, you know, being offered to direct films for Marvel, you know, he's not, you know, making, being nominated for Oscars, unfortunately, it's kind of, it's the opposite side of, of what can happen, you know, you'll keep going and you'll still be in the industry, but it's not going to be, not every story is going to be the, um, the golden ticket. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's definitely, um, people gauge success, you know, completely in different ways. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I, I would still say that, uh, Mark has been hugely successful and did achieve his dreams you know mm-hmm. um but yeah i mean it's like for the average person that um maybe isn't you know a cinephile or something yeah probably you know might think like oh you're not making marvel movies and you haven't really made it or whatever but you know that's not true i think he's no. he's probably seen a lot of success um yeah yeah being able to just live off his career yeah just being able to like be in the industry and live off it is a success yeah you know i mean like to inspire like to be someone who has inspired like edgar wright i think is yeah i mean that's crazy Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know yeah i think that says a lot for someone who really hasn't made much of anything yeah exactly got his short films and he's got his his recent documentary project and for so many like influential directors or actors that were influenced by Mark or Mike, because you talk about Lewis, all the people that had this like public, you know, just outpouring of, of mm. support and like, you know, all these different people that were saying he had such an impact on him. Yeah. I mean, people like Elijah Wood said something about Mike Shank. Like I, I yeah. love that guy and I learned so much from him and like, it's wild when, when you mm-hmm. think about that. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah, I was gonna ask: Have you guys watched uh, Coven? I haven't, not no. yet. <laughs> I remember I haven't. I didn't. I didn't watch it before we did this, but I remember I, I did watch it a long, long time ago when I first watched American movie, and it's interesting. You know, it's, it's yeah, it's a short film. It's like a thirty-minute thing. I think you can find it. Don't quote me on this. Maybe on like YouTube or something. Yeah, um, I'm sure it's out there. Um, but it's interesting because it's 
you know, you watch the film come together, you watch the set pieces of, you know, the, the people in the woods of like yeah. Mark getting dragged through the mud and the guy's head getting like banged through the thing that we talked about. <laughs> and then you see it in, in the movie. I know you see little bits and bobs of it. Like I think yeah. in the American movie, they throw in some clips, but to actually like watch it all the way through, it's, it's interesting. I, I wouldn't say it's like a great film. Sorry, Mark. Yeah. <laughs> but, but it is interesting to watch it. Yeah. yeah. I'm definitely yeah. going to try and seek it out. I think yeah. that, you know, I owe it to, to Mark to watch it after watching him create it, you know. It's like buying the DVD and watching the behind the scenes and then yeah. being like, oh, I'm going to put it on the shelf now. <laughs> you just you did know. the reverse. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I, I do believe it is a feature on the DVD if you mm-hmm. can get a copy of the DVD. It's cool. There. I'm hoping with it being on Criterion that we're going to get a Criterion edition of American Movie at that some point. That would be point. really cool. Yeah, I was thinking that um, too. I think that would be great. And yeah. That would definitely have some extra features of you know, where are they now? Or, yeah, for sure. You yeah. know, what happened after? So mm-hmm. fingers crossed for that. I really hope that is coming in the near future. Yeah. Um, does anyone else have anything else that they want to say on American Movie before we move on? I think the only other thing that we didn't really talk about, and this could be just a brief thing, but I feel like the period of the 90s kind of shines through. And nowadays everybody talks about like, different decades and and going back to to revisiting different decades and like watching this movie you can just feel the 90s like emanate out of it whether (laughs) it's the technology or like how like the cars or what how people are talking what they're wearing like it's just like from another time it's like such a a relic um yeah yeah. but it gave me a little bit of an appreciation for it as as a 90s kid um yeah yeah that just added another layer to the to the onion you know Yeah, yeah definitely i love just you know the the closeness of them watching the the Super Bowl in the in the kitchen, mm-hmm. all together mm-hmm. on like a little portable TV, and you know all those kind of like little touches that are so far removed from what we've got now. You know, um, yeah. There <laughs> another thing that dates it a little bit that I love because I loved this when I was a kid is when when Mike comes in, he's like, "It's a new soda from Coke called Surge." <laughs> I was like, yeah, Surge, bring it back, bring it back. Bill's like, oh, this is pretty good. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, man. Well, I think that brings us to the end of American Movie. Um, This is the part of the show where Brandon and I would normally guess what um, we each rated it on Letterboxd. But as we have a special guest, we are going to let Andy guess. So, Andy, you are going to guess what me and Brandon each rated this on Letterboxd. This might be the toughest, the toughest question of all. Brandon and I don't go too far back, so this will be a real, a real guess. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna say, let's see. No, having listened to a, a lot of episodes that preceded this and kind of getting a feel for for what you guys like, um, I'm gonna. Oh god, this is this is like a lot of pressure. Yeah. Um, I won't be invited back if I get it wrong. Yeah. <laughs> um, I would I would probably I'll do one at a time. I'd say Brandon, maybe you're at like a, a three and a half. Okay. And then Lewis, I'd put Lewis at a four. All right. Yeah. Go ahead, I, Brandon. What did you rate it? I I think this is a five out of five for me. Wow. Yeah. I'm pleasantly surprised. 
Yeah, I liked it a lot. Uh, yeah. I, you know, once I got over my existential crisis and being like seeing myself <laughs> in every character, <laughs> I was just able to enjoy it and really be inspired by it. And, um, yeah, it, it feels, I mean, like I was saying earlier, there's so many universal themes, uh, that I think I'm going to be able to keep going back to that. Like this is like, usually when I do five out of five, it's something that I want and need to keep watching. Yeah. You know? Um, and I think I'll, I'm going to do that with this film. Yeah. Um, yeah, you were close with mine. Mine is four and a half. Nice. So a little bit. Yeah. I think what would that, be the knock that you'd bring it down to, to four and a half? <clears throat> yeah, I, I, I've got a very spe- – me and Brandon talk about it all the time. I've got a very specific like rating. Um, and I think I, – honestly, I think it's because I've never dreamed of being a filmmaker. Mm-hmm. You know, mine has always been film history. And even though I can appreciate this film, I don't connect with it as like – that is me, you know, as Brandon yeah. was saying, like this is, you know, seeing yourself in those characters and stuff like that. Like I can appreciate the drive, but it's not, you know, who I see in the mirror, if that makes sense. Yeah, so that's the, sure. I mean, that is literally the only reason. And it's, it's just a personal thing. It's not anything about the, the film itself. And who knows, you know, future watchers when I've seen Coven and, you know, go back and watch this again, it's, it might get bumped up just in total. But yeah, I mean, that's the only reason it would be half a star less. Well, I'm glad I was conservative then. <laughs> I'm really happy that you guys enjoyed it as much as you did. Yeah, uh, yeah. I got a little nervous it. when Brandon was saying he was falling asleep in the first couple of years. <laughs> <laughs> um, what would you rate it, Andy? I mean, I know that um, you are on um, IMDb as opposed to Letterboxd, but what would you give it? Yeah. Um, I'm an IMDb truther. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, which, honestly, it's only because that's what I started using as a kid, and it's got... Yeah like hundreds and hundreds of, of my ratings in there. So I'm just mm. like, I don't want to port all of this. Yeah. Into yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, this is a, this is a five out of five for me. Um, yeah. It was IMDb. I think I have it on IMDb nine out of 10, something like that. Yeah. Um, it's a personal favorite of mine because of the, the filmmaker experience and like knowing, you know, watching what Mark was doing, I can relate so many of those moments of his like troubled, production to films that I was making in college and how you would cobble things together. And, and I use that term specifically, like literally just like Frankensteining pieces and bits and bobs yeah. and making something work. Um, so I see a lot of like my personal experience in it, but I also think that it is, I think it's just a, a, an inherently good movie. It's, it's funny. It's very real and dramatic in a way that I think it's relatable um and it's also not overly complex like anybody could sit down and watch it know exactly what's going on whether you like the people or you like the subject matter or not you can follow it and i think that anybody can take something away like brandon was talking about there's all these lessons in it whether it's you know the overarching theme of american dream and like wanting to pursue that dream or something as super super small as you know mike saying like don't do drugs or don't don't drink a lot of alcohol um i just think there's something for everybody in it and I love it. Be, having this was when I rewatched it. This was probably the first time I rewatched it in maybe about like five or six years. Um, so there's a decent amount of time that went by, but it's just so refreshing every time I go back. It's, yeah, it's always always enjoyable for me. Yeah, and this is we say this all the time. This is the best thing about Film Church is that it makes us watch films you know that we wouldn't normally pick out because I think 
Brandon and I are, are, are from different spectrums. You know, you're the filmmaker, and I'm more like the film history guy. Um, so, you know, every other week it's a film that we wouldn't probably normally pick. Um, and this is a film that I haven't got that I wouldn't have got around to watching for a for a while. Um, so thank you so much for picking it because it's um, it's been an absolute blast. I've loved watching it and talking about it as well. Yeah. So yeah, thank you, dude. Yeah, of course. I did. I did think about picking something that was like more of Lewis's alley, something that was like <laughs> you know, golden age, maybe black yeah. and white. I was I was yeah. toying with a couple of ideas, and then I was and literally like scrolling seen through everything. my my voodoo, and I was like, no, this this is this is just yeah. standing out to me. So, yeah. I'm glad you guys really enjoyed it. Yeah, man. Good. It was great. Yeah. Um, Brandon, do you want me to tell you what we're going to be watching next week? I do. I need yeah. to know. Um, so this is um, a film that I actually took inspiration from Andy for um, when I picked this. Um, it's a film that you had on your list um, for Halloween that I didn't get chance to watch. Um, and it's from this year, and it's Pearl. Um, oh, nice. We both watched X. I haven't had yes. a chance to watch Pearl yet. Um, and I think we had a little bit of different opinions on X, maybe. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited. I decided to pick this to see if we would coincide again or if it would still be a bit opposite. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, next week we're going to be watching Pearl from 2022. Sweet. I'm excited. Good. It's a <laughs> awesome. Um, well, that brings us to the end of the show. You can find the show on Twitter and Instagram at Film Church Radio, and you can follow us individually on Letterboxd. Brandon is at Selman Scope, and I'm at Walker Lewis three zero zero seven to keep up with what we've been watching. Um, Andy, where can people find you if they want to join your horrorthon next year? Sure. So you can you can follow me on Instagram. I'm at AJ Zike. AJ Zike. Um, I don't know if you can follow someone on IMDb, um, but feel free to shoot me a note on Instagram. I'm happy to share my ratings. Always down to talk about movies. Awesome. Thank you. Um, We also have all our back episodes streaming on all good podcast platforms. Please please leave us a rating and review so we know if you liked the film, if you didn't, and what you'd pick for us to watch in the future. Um, And all that's left to say is, this is definitely a sign of voodoo. Why is it a sign of voodoo? It's an unnatural cross, Brandon. What, you think when Jesus was hanging there, he thought it was natural, man? (laughs) And on that note, amen. Amen.